I'm trying out trying out this fan wine. I've got like oh I've got so much booze in front of me, it's not good. Um chronic alcoholic here in the making. Having some of your red that you made too. It's quite quite tasty. That's good. We we basically drank up all of the red <laughs> and the white that you provided me over the holidays. Um my grandma and I went to town on the 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 really good red, the you said there's a difference between the thirty dollar package and the hundred and fifty dollar package. We well we basically between the two of us drained that hundred and fifty dollar uh stuff that you made. It's God, it was to... good. <laughs> it was good. Quite the difference, eh? <laughs> oh it is, it is. My my mom got the last glass out of it. She's like, There's an awful lot of shit I'm chewing on in here. And it's like, Oh yeah, it's the sediment. <laughs> <laughs> We left you this shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the 320 Club podcast. Why is it the 320 Club podcast? It's because 420 was already taken and it's happy hour somewhere else. I'm joined by my co-host here, Rox, and I'm Whiskey, and together we're going to have a good time. I got a mouthful of brownie. Sorry. I probably shouldn't eat while we're doing our podcast. That's our, <laughs> you're the one editing, so you're the one that's going to suffer. <laughs> Uh, we, we can just get right into it. We're going to get right into it? All right. Uh, so in the news, I was reading. Um, <laughs> it's uh, I don't know the, how the website is called. Uh, YouGov. I don't know. Maybe Youth Government or something like that. Um, but they, did, they have a, a website that talks about lifestyle things. And um, it says younger American men are noticeably less likely than older men to say that they are completely masculine. Um, but that it's really a stem on other, uh, other things. Um, Interesting. How um, 88% of women can describe themselves as feminine compared to 82% can uh, describe themselves as masculine. But I think it's a, it's a binary. Th- uh, it's not a binary thing. What, um, like genders? <laughs> well, no, it's just like whatever attributes you are. So, I mean, I mean, if you're you say, well, I'm a masculine computer programmer. I mean, it 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 doesn't have the it doesn't have the preconceived parts of um, preconceived notions of what masculinity is. I, I, you know, I'm a utilitarian. If I if it doesn't mean anything to me, I'm not going to use it. That's very cold. Very cold of you. I don't know. I think you bring up a very interesting point. Like you're you're uh, you've. You've shot the proverbial gun, as it were, and we're off to the races. But uh, I think you, you kind of bring up a very interesting question, and it's that uh, what is it to be masculine? What is it that makes something masculine or not? And I, For right? me, I, I think part of this is because we've – I think there's a couple curves we should to look at in order to really discuss this. I mean, obviously, education – more people are becoming more educated – Rather than those, the number of people they're having uh, education is on the is at an all time high. In fact, in some respect, it's starting to decline. Um, I don't know. I think uh, you know what, man. I think I'm. Uh, I think I'm gonna divert to the school of hard knocks, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take us back to church here for a second. No, 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 no. Just, just, just <laughs> let me finish my point first before you jump in there. I know, I know, you're really going into it, but. Um, because some of the principles of education is, is if it doesn't suit the entire aim, don't use it. 
It's it's not uh, you weaken your arguments by display getting rid of the chaff. Um, <clears throat> so getting I, rid of the chaff. You know, how so, you, how, so, like how do you mean? How do you weaken your arguments? So you know things that are considered masculine but not um, useful. Does it make sense? So some things that are nobly masculine but don't necessarily have um, a purpose. So you know, being rude to somebody. So so some people say it's a masculine trait to be really assertive and aggressive. Well, that is. I don't think so. I know, but that that's considered well, a masculine trait. Aggression is definitely within the masculine domain. Um, and not necessarily within the feminine domain. However, um, just being rude to somebody doesn't make it masculine. Exactly. If you're an asshole, you're an asshole, regardless of your gender. And there's no point in being aggressive without actually having the facts and understanding. And we call yeah. it, we usually call those douchebags. But um, I love that term. I'm glad that term hasn't been taken away from us yet. Um, but I'm sure we'll get into a, ta- uh, a discussion on what words we can and cannot use at, a, at another time. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, so with that, I mean, we, we can, like, so with, with that, so with the advent of education, we have children, we pass our, our new values, things that we learned on t- to our children, and I think that will, that has changed the, the dynamic a bit. Um, but if you look at historical, why people did things, I mean, we, we've evolved with society, there's no no longer to the requirement to to be so assertive. And then I think back going, okay, well, when do we start recording these things? Well, a lot of it is the study of society and 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 doing and having the tools in order to which to conduct these surveys happen after World War. So a lot of the men coming back were touched by war and affected by war. And when they were young adults, they were put into service which would took on military values and how they portrayed themselves. So rather than taking the time to explain and understand, they took the very autocratic approach to, to uh, instructing people and getting people to do things. And I think that permeated in their children as well. <clears throat> so I think we're getting a little bit into the weeds here. And that's why I was thinking about, well, why don't we, why don't we take a step back and we'll here, here's the reason why I wanted to talk about this on this particular episode we kind of had a little bit of a discussion about it before but our sound quality was pretty crap um so this is kind of like our our second shot at the whole thing but i'm pretty sure we'll be pretty consistent in our in our views and in our opinions and 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 whatnot but uh here's here's there's kind of some new information that has come to light that i'm 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 happy that we get a second shot at it. And I can't talk about, uh, let's, let's call it the church of masculinity <laughs> without talking about somebody like Don Cherry. How more Canadian can you possibly get? <laughs> the thing is, is with a guy like Don Cherry, a lot of, to say what you will about the guy, a lot of, most people I know don't like him. Well, here's, here's the thing about Don Cherry. Most people that I, that I know, uh, especially they don't like him. They just, they think he's, uh, too abrasive or he doesn't know what he's talking about. I love the guy. And to the extent that, uh, I used to work at West. I used to work in Manitoba. I worked out in Alberta and whenever he went to bars or anything like that, and he sat down and you watched a hockey game and coach's corner came on when people were listening to Don Cherry, like everybody in the bar would be talking but at some point, somebody would shout out, shut up, 
shut up, God's talking. And I was just like, huh? <laughs> but they loved the guy. They just, like, there was a reverence with uh, with uh, an iconic figure uh, such as Don Cherry. But uh, my, my, my reason for bringing this up is actually not Don Cherry uh, himself, but a very interesting point that he brought up that uh, I think kind of relates to masculinity. And it's about the IIHF World Juniors. Now, in the last episode of the podcast, you were talking about very something. You were talking about something very serious about racism and and all that, and slave. I think you were talking about slavery. And at one point in the podcast, I shouted, "Oh shit!" And my "Oh shit" moment had nothing to do with what you were saying, but it had everything to do with the fact that uh, Finland had just. Uh, scored a goal against Team Canada in the I- IIHF World Series there. And, uh, and you know, it was like, oh, we're in trouble. The outcome, most of the people know the outcome of that game now, is that Canada ended up losing. Um, I can't, did we lose? We didn't lose in overtime. No, we didn't lose in overtime. No, we did. We did lose in overtime. Yeah, that's right. Um, because what happened was one of the... One of the one of the players um, had a brilliant opportunity to do a uh, one-time shot on the uh, fin on the fin goalie. Uh, the uh, net was completely wide open, and in the process of trying to complete this one-timer shot, his stick broke. Not fifteen seconds later, Finland scores the winning goal beating Canada and basically outing Canada out of the entire tournament. Now, Don Cherry brought up a very interesting point about this. Like the way he the way he brought it up was that uh the game that Canada had against Denmark. So this was on the 26th of December. Uh Denmark is not a well-known hockey nation. They play hockey, but they're not up there in the European uh nations to the same level that like Finland, Sweden is up there. Obviously Russia is up there, but they're not part of the European Union. Um, but you, you get you kind of get my point. They are hockey nations, much like Canada is a hockey nation. Now, during this tournament, Canada beat uh, beat Denmark out, I think it was like 13 nothing. Like it was embarrassing. Um, I'm not entirely sure how the structure of the tournament is supposed to be. If you're that you're supposed to get as many goals as you can because it plays into your standing within the tournament, I'm not sure exactly how that works. I I thought that might be how it worked, but I could be wrong. However, there was a little bit in there about um, guys on the on the Canadian team bragging a little bit by the fact that they were completely annihilating the Danes. Thirteen nothing is when you play a, when you play a hockey game. And you're beating your opponent thirteen nothing. There's a, I mean, in any sport, if you're completely annihilating your opponent, there's a bit of remorse there. Hopefully, if you're a good sports, uh, good sportsman. And so Don Cherry kind of brought this whole point up, is that Canadians, there, there might have been a little bit of uh, showboatiness. There might have been a little bit of, uh, I don't know, how, what's the best way to put it, like. Anytime Canada scored a goal, if you listen to the the guy announcing the goals in the arena, they would announce who got the goal, who got the assist or whatever. And then after every announcement of every goal, they'd go, 
Woo! Like somebody like doing like this kind of like big cheer to try and get the crowd riled up. And they kept doing that for every single go. And so Don Cherry says, when you do shit like that, your time will come. The hockey gods will come after you. Now you, Whiskey, have said often that correlation doesn't prove causation. I'm going to provide a counter argument is that except in sports, especially in hockey, is when you do certain things in hockey, there's there's a reason why there's superstition in sports because I don't I can't explain it, but for some reason when you do stuff like that, you will get your comeuppance. It will come after you. But if you work hard and you play a good game and you're fair, um, the rewards will come to you. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that was a big diatribe. Welcome to the monologue. Um, so, <laughs> yes, but you got to be careful of self-validating uh, prophecies here. So, uh, if you because you're looking for you're gonna look for a point where yeah, this, because of this. Um, because you did this, this happened. That's a false attribution error. So, um, but I mean, we, we talk about concepts of, of, of being, uh, for me, being a man and, or masculinity is doing the right thing. Even when, when it doesn't suit. No one's suit. looking. Yeah. When no one's looking or, or it doesn't suit you. Um, and we, we see all the time, like the people not washing their hands is probably like the, the, the epitome for me of, 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 or the benchmark of how I perceive people. Um, <clears throat> wash your hands. Just do it. No one likes touching the doorknob after you. Um, but in, in, in reality, it's, it's losing well. And the, the other side is that conversely, win well. Understand, like, people, it takes two teams to play. And if you annihilate mm-hmm. your opponents all the time, then no one wants to play with you anymore. <laughs> If you if you don't let your <coughs> opponents win, no. So well, if you, you annihilate your opponents all the time, they'll oh. n- they'll never win. But more important, or more importantly, well, you, well, have no, to, they, you have to let them. Not only gro- will they not win, but they'll seek out other uh, alternative tactics to beat your ass into the ground because nobody stays at the top of the hill forever. Exactly, and then you're, then your self fulfilling prophecies occur. Um, but realize that no one really likes a poor sportsman. We've got so many movies about winning, uh, what it looks like to win badly. Yeah. Um, so well, what does it mean to be a poor sportsman or what does it mean to be a good sportsman? And that's, that's, I mean, that's a good question. I know there's a lot of people who have addressed this, uh, in different ways, but I think it's something like, you know, when you hear, when you hear parents, it's kind of a common, um, What's the best way to put it? It's a common lesson that parents tell their kids. It doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you win or lose. It's how you play the game. And and I don't like. I think we say that because it's like it's a well rehearsed thing that we've always been telling our kids. But we don't. We I don't know if we remember or I don't know. It sounds like some of us have forgotten what that actually means. Well, I mean, let, let's when we trans do a couple of linkages here. So the first linkage I would draw is in the in the microorganism that is the or microcosm that is one hockey team. Um, everybody wants most people want glory, so everybody wants to be a forward, unless you you have anxiety about how you're playing. But if you're willing, if you if you're looking to play. Chances are you want to be a forward, you want to score the goals, you make the goals, you make the money, and you kind of want to get groomed that way. See, my father, hold on, would, hold on, hold on. Uh, my father would argue with you 
and I, I ended up taking his line of thought. It's like, if you want to, if you want to be a real hero, play the defense because they're the unsung heroes of the game. <laughs> well, it's the same thing with, with goalies. And when we hear up and coming stories and stuff like that, where, you know, the, the four string goalies and accountant, um, goalies have it the hardest, especially well, in hockey. Yeah, and so the so the the, the linkage I want to trying to draw within that team that there's all these positions to play, but not everybody wants to play them. In life and, and translate to masculinity is, you know what? There's different roles in in the world, and we need to do we need to uh, fill them all in order to succeed. So we talk about nurse. If we talk about nurses, I mean stereotypically it's a woman, but there's men nurses as well. Um, then you t- you take that into so staying at home and being the paternal parent. So when you're talking about sports, um, so you're, you're kind of saying that from what I'm understanding is like sports are like a dramatic representation of what real life is actually like. Yes. I mean, we have to, we have to occupy all the positions. It doesn't matter who plays them as long as they're done because without nurses, chances are you will die without a parent. You can't leave your kids alone. So they will die. So, I mean, it doesn't really matter. In this sense, is is does it really matter? It, it, I always say, look at the business case. So my brother is a stay-at-home parent. Because why? Because his wife is a doctor and she makes more money than him, um, teaching at the university. So why would he go to work, even though he's an engineer? Why would he go to work when she's a she's she's a reputable doctor doing things? Um, yeah, why not? That's very practical. So stay at home, get fat, and enjoy life. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, don't get fat. <laughs> Try not to if you can help it. Well, it's a, well, it's a line from Bare Naked Ladies, right? Uh, yeah. When we're we're when we're both happy, we're like cats. We get fat or something to that effect. Something like that. But anyways, <sighs> so we look at we look at masculinity. What what and I'm saying is that we're human. We're supposed to be educated. We're supposed to be informed, and we're trying to be. We're trying either trying to improve our circumstances or the circumstances around us. Either it's for employees or it's for our children. And you can't do it if you're only a one-trick pony. That Nothing pisses me off more than a one-trick pony. Why? Because you can only do one thing. So um, obviously that the, the logic is is that if, you, if all you has, have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Well, hmm. it, it, they, uh, grow from this. Okay, so maybe if your interaction with someone or some particular circumstance, it didn't turn out the way you want, do, tr- do some introspection saying, okay, I did it this way as I perceived in a masculine approach. Maybe there's other ways of looking at this that, we can, that I can grow from to have a better outcome. Often what happens is saying, well, I just don't do it that way. Well, who's the fool here? So who's responsible for that situation? It's usually those people. If you're not dynamic to shift your gears, you're a fool. And yeah, I agree with that. I, I, I completely agree with that. Like the idea of, you know, a jack of all trades, master of none. I'd actually rather have that. Somebody who has a has different um, different interests and different capabilities and is improving different skills. But then I also have a deep appreciation for the person who is the master, the person who has perfected their their trader has perfected their their skill set you know I, and you when you see that you admire it you oh, know somebody you, like a 
like a Jimmy Page who has perf- who has perfected the art of of his of his tool, his guitar, right? Or or a Wayne Gretzky who has perfected the art of his spark of his sport. We go and see that, and I mean, like, there's there's you want to talk about dramatic representations of sports and what it, how it is a it's a microcosm of what the human condition actually is. That's that's why we go and see these things is because we want to see people um, get better at these things. We want to see people who are who are mastering the art, right? Well, I, I agree with you, but, but but be careful here. We say, well, we because you use the the exception of the exception of the exception as an example. I'm talking about go see a, a doctor's office, not a medical doctor, but go see a, a physicist's office and go look at him. Often he has trouble talking to people. Often or her, be careful. Touche, sir. Touche. <laughs> um, but you go in and you see their offices; it's a complete shambles. You, you see that they have trouble dressing. They have um, because they just it's just how they do it. They've they made up their mind. This is how I do it, and then they they go back and into their specialty, and that's where they they see the beauty and everything around them. They've limited themselves. Um, in order to pursue excellence in one domain, they've lost other thing, everything else. When you're yeah, a, but likewise, when you're a famous, I, well, no, when you're a famous person and you have lots of disposable income, you can hire other people to do it. But other doctors, they can't afford that, so they're relying on their own laurels in order to succeed in life. Well, likewise, would I rather if I needed brain surgery, would I rather have somebody who is specialized in brain surgery or a general practitioner? No, I would say that's not, not a fair, um, a fair comparison because medical doctors. Or maybe I'm not understanding what your your analogy is. I'm saying is that when we talk about being a person, a good person, it, it's more than your career. It's more than the thing you've declared that this is what I do. Um, because being human is more than I do this one thing. Because we interact with people, we have a greater effect on everybody else around us. How we pro- well, then, how we conduct ourselves matters. Well, I, I but I also then I just have another question for you is what what do you constitute being a good person? And I'll 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 take a fictional character in in this instance and I'll use your doctor analogy. I mean, look at uh, look at the Doctor Strange movie, right? Have you seen that one? Yeah. Okay. So Thank Dr. you for lending it to me, <laughs> Doctor Doctor Stephen Strange. Probably the he's in a fictional universe, mind you, but he's he's labeled as a high like highly prof- not highly professional. How do you best? He's he's one of the top in his field. Yet he's abrasive. He's an asshole. You know, he is he is not what we would consider to be um, a, a a decent person. It takes him going through this journey of, you know, the superhero, the hero's narrative in order to become a decent person. But even then, he still retains qualities um, of somebody who's just like, the world is how I see it, and and there is no other way to see it. There are certain qualities of that. Yet, he is still able to do these complex operations that nobody else within his field can do because he's the best, right? So... You know, because he's not a nice person, because he's abrasive, does that does that mean you know, does that mean that we have to we have to ostracize him? Do we have to make sure that you No, know, but I think he I, has to be nice? I think that is, is an interesting parallel because the movie is about him growing. 
and learning mm-hmm. other people. So I, I, I think as 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 a as a nation and, and and as a people and a generation, for example, you know, when people someone's being abrasive, don't insult them, saying, "Look, you could handle that better." For be, sure, for sure, he was be be the sure better person. He was the best in his. Okay, so for sure, he needs to. He's going through a growing process in that film, but before he even started going in that growing process, he was the best in his field. So if you take somebody like that who is actually in the real world, who is the best in their field, and you eliminate all of those variables of like the mythic shit and all of the – there's the comic book universe and everything. You just sit a person like that in the real world. How much do you think are they actually likely to change their entire character um, given that they are already the best in their field? They feel like they have nothing else to learn. But they still do the job that is asked of them. Yeah, but even if they're an abrasive asshole. All I'm saying is that if you're declaring yourself male or female, I say let's just be better people. And the sense is, all you have to do is become a bit of an agent of change, be representative of what it could be. And reminding people that you're a person first is is significant. Um, my wife, my daughter has uh, some some very complex medical needs. And I meet specialists all the time that are like this. And my wife has a heck of a time handling them because they, yeah. they, they claim to be intellectually superior until you start engaging with myself and my wife and realize we're not stupid people. Yeah. Um, well, and, they, they come across as because they have a, a stamp saying that they have cer- a certain qualification, with, whether it's a degree or whatnot, that they think that they hold... All the cards, yeah. Status, they held status above you. No, right? it's like you will take the time to explain all the aspects of this because I'm not stupid. You're not making the decision for me, and I will make an informed choice. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you can you can transfer us to another specialist, and I don't mind driving. So what does that mean to you? Well, it looks bad on a doctor for um, his patients not long, no, long, no longer wanting to see him. It, it does. Um I find it's interesting that you're bringing this up because all too often you bring up the point that people are a resource from a uh, from a business perspective, and yet you're coming off. It's like no, you got to understand that there's a person there. So it's interesting that you're. It almost I, I won't say go so far as to say it's a contradiction in your thinking, but it's. But it's definitely there's. I'm I'm noticing some subtle differences in how how you think. Right. When it comes to business, when it comes to economics, it seems like you think that people are resources, a resource. But when it comes to um, let's I don't know, let's say health and well-being, then then you switch gears and treat people as a uh, as what what, you know, most people treat them with a certain level of compassion and whatnot. No, I would say that this is. There's two levels here. So there's a strategic thinking, okay? And there's a strategic way of uh, approaching things. And then there's a frontline management way of executing these things. Um, so there's multiple facets here that you need to be aware of when we're dealing with things. So in the news, depending which section of the news, you're going to read about management. And the management, again, is divided into to high-level things. How do we run the organization? And then 
you have the next person complaining about pensioners. Okay, well, that could be a strategic decision or it could be a management decision. What's going on? So how we look at these, and they're, they're all linked, but they're never, not necessarily always the same thing. So how we portray ourselves in a boardroom, for example, or a office space or a meeting room of nondescript matters, okay? Ultimately, I believe that every decision, every, every decision, decision we make, we need to sell it, okay? If you're at the bottom of the totem pole and you have a good idea, you need to sell it. But you know what? The guy you're talking to might be a bully, okay? If he's a bully because he wants to be macho, he wants to be very manly, those guys usually, they have an inflated ego, and the only way you're going to really win in, a, in an office setting is to be smarter than him. I don't think being manly and being macho necessarily has to be has to do with being a bully because I mean you don't have to it's it's not about machismo and it's not about being masculine that makes you a bully because there's plenty of women bullies out there I mean you want to you want to see a, you want to see a fictional representation about it go watch Orange is the New Black Jesus like there's plenty of women bullies out there and and it's not necessarily about machismo or about uh there's there's other things that are going on at play there. There's other psychological things that are happening. And I think that's what I'm trying to get at is rude is rude. Uh, not convincing not convincing someone's a good idea or using some knowledge base uh, tools to really understand what the best course of action is. Well, you're gonna fail. It's gonna look stupid. Um, but ultimately, if if you don't explain the factors and you and you run it just by being a bully, you will eventually fail and it will follow you again. Oh yeah, well um, people will catch up to who you are. They'll figure it out. So, so they, you know, it, you'll 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 be exposed for what you're truly are. Well, it didn't work out for Stalin. Didn't work out for Hitler. It didn't work out for all those people. So, at the lower levels, don't. And those it. were some pretty powerful bullies. <laughs> but if you, but El Duce didn't work out for him either. So yeah. If you look at through history, there's lots of examples saying, well, they were powerful. They did a lot of things, and you ide- uh, you're ideological about it. But if you're a bad person, it won't end well for you, and your legacy is shit. Well, what constitutes a bad person, right? Well, Because there's different levels, right? There's different... Uh... There's a... I don't know if it's a threshold. There's a spectrum of person, right? Sure, but I mean, um, what but, constitutes good? Like, if you want to get into a co- conversation about good and evil, we can go that far, or we can go back to what we were talking well, about we, sports because that's easier. <laughs> well, you can play the game. So, you, I mean, you know, Wayne Gretzky, you know, he wasn't the enforcer; it was everybody else around him that was the enforcer, right? But they or would, you generally would often guys would hire an enforcer to make sure that Gretzky was protected. I mean, you watch that movie Goon. That's what that's all about. It's about the. It's kind. I don't know if it's a. Apparently, it's a true story. It's based on a true story, but it's. A, I think, and I could be wrong about this, but I think it's about the guy who went up through the miners and he ended up becoming the enforcer for Wayne Gretzky. He ended up being the the bodyguard for Wayne Gretzky, um, and it's the the guy who. Um, he was a he was a thug. They called him in the movie. They call him Doug the Thug, but that wasn't. I don't think that was his actual name. I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, it's like it's interesting. Like, you know, there's a guy with altruistic uh, intent, a guy who has a good heart or whatever, according to the movie, 
guy with a good heart, but he has no problem beating the piss out of people in the game, in the ice, when it comes down to it. He's a well, the, he's a gladiator, right? So, well, anyway. I, th- I I think we got uh, uh, who was it? I was watching. Uh, he did sells insurance now. Um. Anyways, there's there's lots of um, stories of hockey players. You know, they go into the depression after because they, now they're hired to be the goon. Now yeah. has to live through the psychological effects of this, so they don't feel good about it. They're hired to do a particular job, but you know what? They're no longer just you know boiling over and picking the circumstance. Now they're hired to do it, and I think that weighs on your society, your psyche. And I don't think you're gonna be you're gonna feel good at the end of it. <clears throat> I think we're where we can go with it too is like if you talk about Lamey as a rap and everybody's like an opera, but Lamey as a rap brings up, um, there's nothing know, wrong with that, brings up <laughs> other points going, you know, he's he, uh, life from was it life imprisonment or 10 years for stealing a loaf of bread? Well, yeah. I, I think there's a couple of things here, yeah, sure, y- you can punish people for stupid things or for minor, minor things, um, or you can save a life. I mean, the, the, obviously, that loaf of bread was significant to him at that time so when you when you when you talk about you know characters growing and becoming uh, better people um there's always opportunity to grow and 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 to become better people and learn from your mistakes and learn from the mistakes of others but not all people who do what is perceived bad things are bad people and i think it's are to be human is to err and to grow is also human. There's there's another side to this, saying, okay, well, we did something wrong. We were in a bad circumstance. I reacted poorly. How should I grow from this circumstance? And maybe it's through introspection or through talking to you know someone who else was in the room. It's like I could have handled that better, couldn't I? Yeah. And and that's it. But not everybody has the confidence in themselves to say what could have done better. Well, you're talking about you're talking about the hero's journey, and that's something as old as human beings. Like that's something that we've been telling stories and talking. We've ever since we figured out the difference between what is admirable and what is not admirable about the qualities of a of a human being or of a person. Um, we've been telling stories about those people, you know, and that's how hero uh, hero myth and. And the hero's journey has come about. I mean, you talk about a musical like Les Miserables. Here, here's, I mean, here's something. My son cannot stop watching Moana. He fucking loves that movie. And you know what? I'm actually, I like it too. It's a great movie. I think it's a great example for kids. Here's the thing about Moana. It's, it's, it's just a. When you really think about the movie. It's just a standard hero's journey. It's fucking. It's Star Wars. It's Beowulf. It's Lord of the Rings. It's a little bit of all those things. It's the hero's journey. Hero, um, the hero has a certain reluctance at first, uh, even though there's something inside them that says, "I need to go and do this thing. I need to go on this great adventure." But they have a little bit of reluctance, like, "Oh no, I can't do this because I need to be the chefjin or the whatever. I need to be the head of my village." Or I need to, uh, or I need to uh, stay and provide for my family. Or I need to help gather resources on this moisture farm that I'm working on. You know, and then all of a sudden they're just pulled. They're pulled into this 
grand adventure that they go off onto. So it's like it's standard hero's narrative. But and the only there's, it's not really much of a twist. I mean, we've seen women um, do uh, the hero's journey many times before. It's just like they just the people who told the story did it right. They didn't do it beyond some forced diversity or guise of it's all about feminism. It's like no, it's just another Disney princess who is doing a, who is going on a hero's journey, and they just told the story right. They got the they got the parts of the story right um where they struggle and fail and then they struggle and fail again and then they they go back and they deep they dig deep down inside what is it that makes it that is going to get us to succeed all right well we're going to practice our trade we're going to get better at what we need to do in order to succeed and then they do the whole montage and all that shit and by the end they're able to they're able to combat the the forces of evil and all that kind of stuff and it's traditionally this has been in the masculine domain we've seen this a lot and mostly portrayed um through men and all that kind of stuff and it's you know it's obviously refreshing and good to see uh, uh, a strong female lead doing stuff like that. But <clears throat> but uh, so to kind of get back to my point, my my son, he's God, eleven months going on twelve months. Technically, we shouldn't be showing him too much TV or any screen time whatsoever until he's two years old, according to the literature. But I don't know if I buy into all that crap. But uh, if he's fussing um, and he's uh, he's screaming his face off or he's going through pain like he's teething and all kinds of stuff or he's really gassy, we will throw that shit on and he will shut up. He will watch that entire movie in one sitting with no squirming. It's insane how devoted his attention is to that one film. Now, I'm not going to attribute any idea that he understands what's going on. Clearly he doesn't. But it's the singing, it's the colors, it's the it's the uh, the the voices and and all these things. A movie like that got masculinity right, even if the lead was uh, female. So what I get, what I'm trying to say is, masculinity is not limited to men and women. Yeah, so right. so let maybe maybe we got we got to stop saying if it's masculine or feminine all the time. I think it's well, yeah, because they're, they're, the French language has un or une. <laughs> like no, it's ilu el. Like that. <laughs> no, it, no we, not all <laughs> languages do. But yeah, yeah, I I think we say what what's a positive attribute? What's a negative attribute? So what with a negative attribute attribute in a woman is the same negative attribute in a man. Well, there are some. Attributes within femininity that, um, you know, like there's certain – we just have to start with the acknowledgement that there are a difference between men and women. Yeah, period. yeah, I, I agree there are differences. But there's a lot of people who don't agree with that. They don't like that. So that's where the whole idea of um, the culture that we're in right now, um, whether it's a fad or not, I don't know how pervasive or how – good or bad or how how much it's going to change over time but where you're hearing things like toxic masculinity i think you've brought it up well maybe not necessarily on this podcast but you showed me a video um a while back about uh a, it was a gentleman who was an inmate and he talked about he was yeah. doing a ted talk on toxic masculinity 
I don't know if you want to talk about that at all. No, but I, I, I kind of am, I am indirectly, and I'm, I want to say that, like, we need to say that negative attributes are negative attributes. We don't need to associate gender with them all the time. Um, uh, talk about menstruation. Well, well, men just don't menstruate, so we don't have any of the side effects of menstruation. Okay. So, so according to some schools, they would say that that all men also menstruate. <laughs> it's it's so fucked up and absurd. You wouldn't believe what I've been hearing over the last day, couple of days, just listening to different podcasts yeah, myself. They're, they're, it's nuts. They, I mean, there's always false attribution error, right? So, um, really, what I want to say is. Is uh, there's another article here that sort of refines. I'm all, I agree with most of it. It says um, seven reasons why millennial men are reinventing masculinity. It's by uh, Jules Schroeder. It's from on was posted on Forbes magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a couple of points here that how the term masculine is being redefined with the new generation. The first one is uh, millennial men uh, value self awareness. Um, Whereas traditionally it was, you know, don't you're not allowed to feel, like, uh, you know, if it's miserable out, it it's just miserable out. Just don't worry about it. It hurts. Don't worry about it. It'll go away, or spit on it, or piss on it, for that matter. Um, hmm. most millennials are nonconformist, so you know, like I do yoga, mainly because it's good stretching. <laughs> Not because I believe in the whole the spiritual uh, spirituality aspect of it. You think that's a generational thing, being nonconformist? Uh, well, it's listed here, and you know what? He's a uh, he's a well published person, so I'm I'm not. Well, gonna... what does that mean? Uh, what does that mean, nonconformist? Like if uh, I, so if that I goes I down. Yeah, yeah. So that go... and I look a certain way. Am I not being conformist with a certain? Style? No, they're talking more about gender style. So rigid gender roles for men and women are becoming more loosely defined. And I referred to that earlier with about the parental piece. Okay. So if you did the dishes or she did the dishes, who cares the dishes were done? Yeah, Um, oh, I I agree with that. Yeah, I um, suppose. They don't want to compete with one another. So over most of it. Men don't want to compete with with one another? Millennial, yes. Really? Um. Then again, we are we, we are both A type, so let's not go there too much. But I don't necessarily know if I'm an A type per se, but I know that there's an inherent inherent sense of competition amongst men. But if you're talking about self awareness and you're trying to, if you're trying to say that men are a little bit more self like millennial men, my generation, so to speak, are a little bit more self aware than uh, than previous generations of men. I mean. Well, in a, competition. I don't know. I think competition is a. I think that's an in, inherent trait. I think that's part of a, a genetic. That's a genetic trait. Yeah, no, like but that's but, the but it goes further. Nurture thing. I think we're going to a hot, little bit higher level here. Is how we are as self-aware entities. Um, and the the point of the whole they don't compete with one another. The point is don't they don't sacrifice treating people right or off for profit over people because. You never know in the turn of fate that that other person might be your boss later on, because seniority isn't always um, depending where you are. Seniority isn't going mean doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be promoted first. Um, millennials value mm. authenticity. Oh, no, certainly doesn't in this climate. Uh, authenticity. Don't pretend someone you're not to be someone you're not. Um, 
I don't know about this one here. Uh, they want to be vulnerable. That's not my style, but... What does it say in there about accountability? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, no, they, no, they do. They do. Uh, they act according to their values. And I think, for the, especially for the, the... What's the next one after millennials? That generation there. I think they got a, a lot more to learn about that one, but... I think you're. I think there's a lot of generalization that happens about millennials that uh, they don't pay attention enough to. I'm talking about anybody who generalizes about millennials or any generation whatsoever. Like when we're talking about uh, different generations, I just I don't see generations as much as I see um, human development, like over the course of uh, one human lifespan. Yeah, but right. that, but that's exactly what's happening here. When when you take the the study of generations, there's going to be appetites for things. Okay, so my, well, gra- my grandmother grandma, grandmother's. I'll take, a, I'll take a classic example. Like, for example, when people used to criticize youth of watching Elvis, don't watch that man wiggle, you know. And now we're looking at you know th- those people who grow up. They they had their kids go through and there's like don't watch uh, what's his name uh, don't watch Nirvana or anything like that because that's like devil's music or I don't know Nirvana is not really devil's music but you get what I'm saying or when they start watch they start watching uh, metal music and, and metal music and then you know my generation is gonna start looking at our kids and just like what is this shit that you guys are listening to it's garbage it's just like it has less to do with the generation and more to do with human development and when you're young you go and you you're you're trying to you're trying to develop an identity for yourself but in order to do that you need to leave one group for another so the first group being your parents you need to leave your nest in order and in order to do that you need to adopt the identity of a new nest of a new group and that's how group that's why groups in high school are so prevalent. You see, you know, like traditionally, it's not necessarily the case anymore, but traditionally it was like, you know, the jocks, then you had the nerds, then you had the valley girls or you had the, you know, like those those were all older traditional rule uh, traditional groups and cliques, but you're not you're not necessarily seeing that nowadays in high school. I don't know what you're seeing cuz I'm so far removed from high school now i have no idea what the hell is going on but i guarantee you that students are still forming groups um within within clicks because you need in order to be able to uh form your own identity you have to you still have to join another group and sacrifice a bit of yourself towards that group because out of that group you will develop an identity i would say the the group has its own identity how the group responds to organization, but you bring up a couple of points. Now, I want to separate them, okay? Okay. So okay. in order to make predictions and to validate an hypothesis in order to use scientific method, you in observational style of fields, you need to somehow label it because you can't ref- always refer to it as alpha 1 or bravo 2 or 1, 2, and 3 because it doesn't, it doesn't translate very well when it's quoted. So we give them names. <clears throat> now they're generalizations. So and they're ba- usually based on s- statistics. So Generation X, Generation Y, Millennials, uh, Zennials, you know, um, 
baby boomers. The reason why they give them names is because they have a, a propensity or a tendency to do certain things. And they do certain things when you, when you use observation is that you test an hypothesis that they will do this, and then you look for reasons why they do it. What certain things are – like I can f- kind of figure out what the reasons why they would do certain things. Like you're talking about factors. Right. Well, let's say factors. And the fact, no, fa- factors. Uh, factors could be like technological advances in, in modern society. Yeah, so you, have enabled certain things to happen. Yeah. But what certain things are you talking about that different generations are doing? So, example would be the touchscreen generation. You know, they've grown up with mobile phones in their hand, um, right? And that inherently, they don't know how to write cursively. Right. They, they don't want to write, write cursively. They don't want to say have, have that plan for communication. So for us, like, okay, well. Um, I don't have a particular need to call someone every moment of the day um, or having to ha- vocalize everything at that instant. I can plan to talk to you about something in the future. And when I talk to you, it, you'll have all the different things you need in order to operate and you won't have to check with me every 15 seconds. Um Sorry, who who's doing this? The this is me. So the old oh, so you're part of the older generation. So you have a more calculated, more planning centric way of communicating with people or coming up with ideas or whatever because you've thought about them beforehand and then you present them to the people that you're communicating with. Exactly. But when I deal with younger people, they they have a tendency to give me half the information and then they have while I'm halfway going back to my desk, they're already asking me. By the time I get there, there's already emails asking follow on questions. Right, because everything is there, like according to the technological factors that are involved with their development, everything is always on demand. Netflix, um, yeah. the the fact that they can they can get access to all the information that humans have ever had, even if some of it's false information, they they have access to all information that every human can ever have has, has ever accessed ever before, right at their fingertips on the internet. Yes. And so everything is completely holy. on demand all the time. Yes, yes. So let me finish my point So before we, we, we go into it. So that's one part of it. The other part of it, so the, the, what they grew up as, the factors are bringing up. So then you also have world wars. You have um, other wars that happen. So the, what comes out of that? What was in that effect? So they deal with the struggles. So Generation X is... is um, taking over from the baby boomers. The baby boomers were the largest uh, generation that's out there. They're retiring. They have effects, and those effects could be the debt, the um, expensive housing, the um, lack of pension plans, and so forth. So they're dealing with it. We're creating policies that will actually uh, address those shortfalls and the the raise in CPP um, in order to address the potential shortfall. So the costs are higher. We have to prepare, be prepared to accept that and deal with the problems as they come. And those are generational things. So uh, when you're dealing with groups and then groups of groups, you start seeing different trends, and that's based on statistics. Um, so we come back down to when we talk about within a subgroup, so you're talking about high school, People in that group will, ident- uh, will identify a particular role in order to fill a group aim. So if the group lacks the, the you know, more softer tones or more the ethical voice, well, t- typically what happens is that someone will step up and be that voice. A dysfunctional group won't have that. 
Um, so I, I think that's where I wanted to go with that is, is that we all have a role to play. It doesn't matter for a hockey team, a clique at high school. Um, the decline in masculinity isn't necessarily. Uh, Wait, it, there's it, a decline in masculinity? So I, I don't think there is. I think it's just a word that people are just trying to go, oh, because I'm part of this generation. I'm now, oh, my mas- is my masculinity threatened? Um, I would say no. I think we're redefining masculinity as we grow because we, we're growing as a people. And our generations, the challenges of our generations will help define what we're going to do in the world and how I need to react. Well, I think that's a. I think it's a good way to come full circle, and I almost kind. Of, I guess we're coming close to to our to our close here, but it's a good way to summarize the whole thing. It's just like, um, what does it mean to be masculine, or what is a what is an example of good masculinity, and what is a good example of or what is an example of or a good example of bad masculine masculinity, right? And when you're saying that we're redefining it, you're still able to announce and and say what is good and what is bad i mean take like and we'll go back go right back to sports because we've already showed that sports are like a dramatic representation of what life actually is right in some ways yes and i and i agree with and it's like, i think it's a good time to end it's like if 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 you can't if you can't picture yourself yourself telling your grandchildren this is what i did and be proud of it chance i was the wrong ideal if you can't tell yeah. your if you can't tell your grandmother that, you know that so and so was doing this, so I went and punched him right in the nose. Well, guess what? That's assault. Yeah. And, and I grew up in that environment. You know that's assault. It's wrong. Yeah. Either way, there's other ways to handle it. You can diffuse the situation. You can extract extract yourself from the situation. Um, well, lashing out emotionally is obviously never. Uh, it's never a appropriate response well i can't say never you never say never but but i mean look at what happened and i'll use the ihf again i'm just coming full circle back to the whole thing um look at what ha- i think it was the swedes it might have been the swedish team it was last year and i think this a similar thing happened this year as well with the swedish team um uh they won did they win the silver medal last year so they got beat out. I, I can't remember by who's. It might have been the Americans, uh, or it might have been Canada. But they got uh, they um, they uh, they lost last year in the IIHF tournament. And one of the Swedish players took his medal, the silver medal, and he threw it into the crowd. He's like, "Oh, this guy wanted it more than I did." It's like, wait a second, that is not how you behave as a professional. That is not how you behave as a person man or woman in any kind of context uh within society within it's the whole idea about being a good sport it also means knowing how to lose losing with grace because it's about it's about what was it i did wrong you got first of all you got to figure out you, you you deal with the loss immediately on the spot and you just like you purse your lips you take it and you say i did what i could at the time that I did best, yeah, uh, and be, then be proud of what that, be proud of what you've you do, done. Be proud yeah, of what yeah, you've abso- done. Absolutely, be proud of what I've accomplished because, in comparison with the rest of the people in the world, the all all when it comes to when it comes to that tournament in particular, like the way that most Canadians see it is, you can't have Boxing Day 
or New Year's Eve without Team Canada playing uh, some uh, some other nation. What usually on New Year's Eve it's uh, the U.S. or Boxing Day it's U.S. or something like that. It's anyways some other it's some big game. And it's usually Canada versus some other nation. It's usually either Russia or U.S. or whatever. And that's like that's part that's part of like Canadian tradition, you know, to be able to do stuff like that. And I'm I'm kind of getting off topic here. The whole point is with um, with competitive sports like that is like there's a certain level of behavior when you lose, whether it's in sports and in life, you take the loss because it's about resilience. It's about taking the hit because you need to be able to take that hit and overcome later. You're not going to die. Jesus, like you're not getting shot at. Nobody's going to jail. You're not going to die because of this. So you take the hit. And once you've absorbed the hit, you take 24 hours, you take a rest, and then you come back and you say, okay, what do I need to do to get better? What was it I did wrong that I need to improve my skills in order to get better, to get better into that, into the next time I come and address that tournament, that game, or what have you? And then you become a better person overall. And that translates into how you deal with life. If you deal with life by throwing fucking medals into crowds that – because you're what? You're so self-possessed. You're so self-interested in – you know, when when I don't win, I'm gonna cry and have a fit. When you get into that into that mindset, there you're you're not going to succeed at life. Man or woman doesn't matter. So you got to understand what it is that you did and what it is that others did around you. So first of all, look out for yourself to make sure that you can do better for the next time that comes around. But also look around others to help them improve their skills because that's what it means to be a decent person. That's what it's – because honestly, the whole thing is about struggle. It's about life is suffering and life is all about struggle and everything. So how are we going to overcome that shit? Because you got nothing else better to do. Okay, stop going on your tangent. Slow down. <laughs> all right, I'll stop. I know. Killing I was me. Off, I was getting a little bit crazy there. I got to be careful. <laughs> Killing me. Anyways. I'm sorry, man. Let's I got, you can I cut all that crap, half that crap out, and then we're going to say the moral of the story is lose well, win well, and be better people. Losing masculinity, masculinity changes with the times. It changes with the people. We are the people. Be better people. And that's all I got to say about that. Anything else you want to add? No tangents. Be a, be a, good, be a good sport. <laughs> And that's, that's all for this it week. It doesn't matter how you play. It doesn't matter whether you win or lose. It's how you play the game. <laughs> and for that's it for this I, I, week. I'm Whiskey. And I'm Rox. See you next week. <laughs> hey, everybody. Rox here. I just want to take another moment of your time and shamelessly ask that you like and subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your weekly dose of Whiskey and rocks. We're currently on iTunes. We're now officially on the Google Play Store. Uh, we're on Stitcher and YouTube, and we're continuously looking for more ways to expand. As well, you can help us out even more if you write us a review on Facebook, tell all your friends, and even get involved in the conversation. Thanks again for listening, and stay tuned for more 320 Club.